ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's Red Voices. Thank you as ever for stopping by for the podcast that I know you've all been looking forward to. That's right, fourth year running. It is the Players Review episode. That's right, we've actually got to go through this entire squad. Well, we don't have to, but I guess it's tradition, so we're kind of bound to it now. We're going to go through the entirety of Manchester United squad and offer our Frank and perhaps Galoshima-style appraisals because that's literally all we can do after this absolute turd of a season has now finally wonderfully concluded what a glorious feeling, Rich. Even after those two rubbish games against Huddersfield and Cardiff. I mean, you know, just a quick look past the curtain there. We could have done podcasts after both of those games and we decided not to. But I don't think anyone's really going to be that upset about uh, with us for that, really, are they? I think, to be honest, everything that we would need to cover for those games will, will be covered in this in this next hour and a half of incisive, uh, constructive analysis. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, just to sort of discuss something different for once because we don't actually talk about how we sort of record this pod and actually covering United and I'm I'm going to preface what I'm about to say by you know stating that I'm not suggesting by any stretch of the imagination that we have a hard time of it just because we follow United and obviously no way comparable to the fans that go to Old Trafford and follow United home and away throughout the course of a season because Lord knows they've been through the ringer like no other fans have but having said that We've been doing this four years and two things have struck to me. Number one, we should have started doing this podcast a lot sooner than that. Number two, this has been the most draining of the four by some distance in terms of, Mm. as I said, the emotional drain of actually covering United because we've had to repeat ourselves so much because the football has been so disheartening and so much has been going on. Yeah, I mean, I think think this this season's been unusual in that it's the first one of the post-Fergie um, post years where I've had absolutely no hope of anything going into the season, which which was a, a new and deeply upsetting experience. By the time the season started, Mourinho had thoroughly poisoned the well and Edward Warder did, Edward Warder did, and generally it was just a big old shit show. Expectations were not a great deal higher than, than what eventually it turned out to be, but the way it has played out... And ultimately ended. The last few years, it's been nice to get to the end of a season. I think this season, it's been the nicest of all of them. Just to get that final game out of the way. And I really couldn't give a toss how whether we beat Cardiff or lost to Cardiff or what, what happened. You know, It just needed the season to be over so that we can think about something else not, that doesn't involve Manchester United for three months. So now you sat down for an hour and a half to talk about every player in the team. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we're doing this for the fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which fans who are these fans you keep talking about I, d- I don't know i think there's a handful of them apparently so you told me <laughs> no fair enough i mean you know we've been organizing these episodes for some time now you know it's it, i guess it's that as we mentioned before that sort of gallows humor that keeps it going to a certain extent because covering united when after watching some of these games this season for the most part apart from that three month glorious chunk of the season where we actually play some good football and we're winning games you know it's been quite tiring isn't it you know it's it's not always the easiest thing to do to sort of you know watch the game because you know you necessarily can't really switch off because you know you have to talk about it at some stage you know not that there's a problem talking to you about it because i could do that to the cows come home but you know it's just that element of knowing that even when a game is finished if you've had a bad result it's not ever really done with because you we record episodes about it and i guess this season in particular that has come to the forefront in the sense that you know it's been tough to enjoy the football 
So it's more of a challenge then to try and enjoy the actual recording of it as well. This isn't us saying we're going to stop doing it, by the way, because there's so much more fun to come the next couple of seasons. But it's just something to put out there, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I, I can't recall expecting so little of United as I have for periods this year. And I think it's been perhaps even more cruel because we had a, a, a relatively brief view into the world that, that other more successful clubs are currently experiencing. You know, I think that... that maybe it's a kind of t- 10, 10 to 12 week period where everything was going right after Ollie came in as the caretaker manager was kind of an, you know a window into what Liverpool fans have been experiencing for the last three and a half years under under Klopp really that that kind of journey that that really enjoyable football but also a journey you felt was going somewhere mm. and what and obviously what's what's happened since he was given the job full time is just essentially taken taken our football and kicked it into the sea in, in a metaphorical sense so you know that, that that's that's I think made the end of the season even harder because we there was a period where we we really enjoyed it and there was hope and then it was all taken away again and, and we're looking at many of the same issues we had before but some new ones on top mm. and I guess as well you know I mentioned it on the blog on that really really cool post that I put up there last week Red Voices it was a check cool it out post. thank you uh, <laughs> the Champions League tie against PSG was perhaps in many ways the season's cruelest joke wasn't it because mm. after that game you know we recorded and I don't think for a single game because we recorded right after full time I can recall us being as happy or us that energized or having you know, in, not necessarily enjoyed, but appreciated United actually getting a result in that manner. You know, it was it was something special. You know, it really felt like not necessarily that we turned a corner, but we just suddenly arrived back. You know, this was the United that we'd known for so many years and we were privileged to have watched. And then, you know, very quickly it became clear that the problems that we had known about, and as you mentioned there, that, you know, we've got a few more on top, they all just came back and it all clustered together to make the mess of the last two months of the season. And, you know, there's a lot to pick apart. You know, we'll be going through pretty much every player, minus a few sort of the younger squad players who we haven't really seen much of, and offering frank appraisals. Because ultimately, you know, Luke Shaw was our player of the season this year, and I wouldn't necessarily say he or anyone else really stood out. So let's get going. Who have you got for me Yay. for goalkeepers? Do you, do you want to? Do you want to we'll, we'll get Lee Grant off the board immediately. <laughs> All right. So Sergio Romero <laughs> and Lee Grant, they come as an amalgam. So Lee Grant played, to my mind, in the game against Derby County in the League Cup after Sergio Romero did a, a classic rendition of early Sergio Romero and got himself sent off. And Lee Grant was not very good in the penalty shootout because he didn't save a single one. So, I mean, what was he bought for, really? <laughs> Just to be a third-choice goalkeeper when Joel Pereira went out on loan. You know, I don't really know what the mm. club have got, what long-term plans the club have got for Pereira. Because at the minute, you know, well, United have any turn long plans. Who knows? But with Lee Grant, you know, I guess it just made a sense to bring in an experienced goalkeeper who could offer a little bit of advice and guidance to the younger guys. And, yeah, fill a spot. As far as Sergio Romero goes, you know, I mean, that... Derby game that sending off was absolutely ridiculous but you know that's not the reason we lost the game we lost that game because we were rubbish and couldn't beat a championship side other than that you know when he's come in in the FA Cup he's been as solid as he's been for the last several years for the most part we're still lucky to have as high quality a number two occasional brain farts aside as him you know he was great against Hull sorry not Hull against Wolves in that quarter final before those two goals went in kept us in the game he's good against Chelsea good against Arsenal 
And, you know, it doesn't look like the Hayes leaving, but you'd wonder now if Romero actually gets the Europa League games now and as a sort of a reward for sticking around this long. That's what happened several years ago, and it wouldn't surprise me if Solskjaer does the same here. Uh, right, so the only other goalkeeper to mention, have fun with this, David De Gea. Dave. I think for three quarters of the season, his level was pretty high. Um, I think we've been so spoiled by his standard, consistent standard for so many years and and I think last last season was probably his best at the club I think he was just absolutely absurd how good he was but we've seen at the end of the season that form really drop off and we've got a window into the sort of form he's he's often shown for, for the Spanish national team and that we saw in the World Cup as well um, last summer and it's clear that he he's not sure where his future is at and where his head is at and th- these these debates are often so social media it make can make the most complex debates entirely binary, can't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be either there's either this well, either he wants to be with us, in which case he'd be playing incredibly well, or he doesn't, in which case he can fuck off. These these are the these are the terms that that are usually used. When the reality is that footballers are, p- are people and they have the same, well, not perhaps not the same problems, but they have, they they face dilemmas the same as the rest of us, and and football form isn't something which you necessarily turn off and on by a tap and, other, and outside things can, can affect it mm. and there's clearly been a little bit of loss of focus at the end of the season which which has been quite quite costly at the end you know it, it's clear that he's not entirely sure where his head's at and what he wants to do from here and and it's it's an interesting debate because he's been so insanely good for us but then there is also the flip side which is that I can see the argument some people are making that his his style of being an exceptional shot stopper is incredibly aesthetically pleasing and, and useful but if you want to be a team which constructs from the back then he's not necessarily the best goalkeeper you can have for that purpose you know his, his distribution isn't great either with his hands or with his feet um, and he tends to slow things down and I think United have almost faced a bit of a crossroads here. You know, if, if he ultimately is asking for a salary, which would make him by far the best-paid goalkeeper in the world, you have to think: do the good qualities he brings outweigh the limitations? For the first time, it feels like it's not necessarily a really simple answer to that question. I think you're completely right in the sense that with his difficulties in Spain last summer, and as you said there, he's a person. You know, you, it's difficult to keep that sort of level consistently going especially when you haven't got high-class defenders around you. You know, if he'd had a better defence, then I can't... I wouldn't have thought that his loss of form would prove as costly or would have been as difficult to manage as it has been. And I guess, you know, as I pointed out, the mental load that De Gea has been carrying by bailing out our defence time and time again, eventually that was always going to take its toll. And I think it definitely did this year. And he wasn't getting the help from his defence to sort of pay him back to a certain extent. And I think that just eventually made the difference you know and I still got complete faith in the guy that he can return to the sort of form that you know we've been blessed with for most of the last five years and this you know it's difficult to sort of rip into bits because he has been so key and important for us over the last several years and I think there is an element to say that perhaps given the complexities of United's wage structure at the minute once you sort of get Sanchez out the door you could probably argue that maybe he shouldn't be given quite as much as he wants but I guess the flip side of that is that there doesn't seem to be much of an appetite for him to go 
I think that there's a certain element of him wanting to stay at United because he's dealing with a big crisis in confidence, something he's not faced at United since he first arrived, and he'd like to stay put as opposed to going on to pastures new. Plus, in reality, where else can he go? Like PSG, maybe? Real Madrid have got keepers sorted, so those are really, realistically, the only two teams he's you know guaranteed to sort of waltz in and maybe get the starting sort of number one jersey you know there's not necessarily a lot of options who could afford him and who would actually be able to give United the money they want for him so I I mean to be fair you know we'll get on to Pogba later on but if we're talking about our two big world-class players I haven't really got any worry that Dave's going this summer I'll be honest with you right uh how, do I want to fuck you up really early on yeah I do Ashley Young oh, you fuck up. that's what I was gonna do um <laughs> There are a few things that concern me about things Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done in the last few weeks, really, since he's been given the job. Amongst those things are the fact that sometimes a lot of the things he says, which in theory are manna from heaven for us, that he seems to be able to say the right thing, he hasn't necessarily followed up in deeds. One of those things is his seeming dedication to playing Ashley Young at right back late in the season when he was performing as badly as I've seen United players perform ever (laughs) like literally ever I mean you know ultimately the guy was always a converted winger who's been odd jobbing as a right back but this season his level has dropped significantly I presume partially because he's simply getting older and his body isn't as as durable and as quick and as uh, powerful as it once was but also just because he is a winger who's playing at right back and things have combined to to mean that he's I, I i think you could probably pick four or five right backs out of the championship who would have done a better job this season for united at right back than ashley young has and i think that's telling and you know when he signed the new deal i could see some some logic to it just in the sense that he's english and the the homegrown quotas are likely to increase when we leave the EU and the fact that we only actually have one genuine specialist fullback at the club in Luke Shaw. I mean, even Dallow was playing as a wingback, um, and so so ultimately we couldn't buy you know three new fullbacks in a summer or whatever. But he's got to the point now where he's actually embarrassing, <laughs> um, and he's just teams were teams were targeting him for months towards the end of the season. Quite, quite consciously targeting him at right back, and it was it was just incredibly effective and incredibly destructive to United's back four. And bearing in mind it's a back four which had other issues elsewhere as well, it's helped contribute to the fact that we've just been conceding goals at the rate that Huddersfield have, in fact, in <laughs> in 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 the last couple of months. It's difficult. It's difficult to have it so with Ashley Young in that he really, really needs to be catapulted into the sea, but. <laughs> You're enjoying now, that now, idiom at the minute, aren't you? I am, but he now he now earns a lot of money and I can't comprehend that he would be willing to give it up and I also have an awful feeling that Oli Solskjaer doesn't, isn't quite entirely done with him. Mm. But yeah, Ashley Young, I would say, has probably been our worst outfield, outfield performer this season. I would struggle to give him 3 out of 10 for this year if I were, if I were pushed to. <clears throat> you can have Manchester United's double player of the year winning 
left back Luke Shaw. Uh, I mean, you could have done me worse there. There, are, there's, there's an interesting bunch of players in that list who could easily have been used there. That you, you've been relatively kind with me there, and the Connors didn't necessarily deserve. And I'm basically padding out this response because I can't really think of a hell of a lot to say about Luke Shaw. <laughs> I mean, look, at the start of the season, it was great to watch him get that first senior goal. And there was a point within the first several months, even though the team was chugging along and chuntering and struggling, he was something of a bright spot because it looked like the quote-unquote penny had dropped, didn't it? You know, there was an element to which he was... Yeah, yeah. I think it looked like he was being a bit more useful when going forward. Defending looked a little bit less haphazard and he was being found out a little less. But as the season's gone on, I mean, it's great on a personal level that he's actually been able to get through almost an entire season without a major injury. Fitness is, for the first time in Luke Shaw's career at United, not been a problem. He's been able to get through almost an entire campaign without any serious setbacks. So that's positive. On the downside of that, he is one of a number of players who, when our form fell off a cliff and we stopped creating, he became far less effective. And that was causing us a problem. You know, I don't think I want to rip him to bits too much for his defensive ability because, you know, you could rip basically your entire entirety of our back lineup for being, you know, <laughs> terrible defensively at times. But as far as Shaw goes, I think the big worry that we maybe not the worry but I think roughly when we bought him we thought he could offer us more of an outlet on the left and because ultimately that's where a lot of our play goes because we don't really have a dedicated right winger and our right wing is so well our right wing play is so poor Shaw's being kind of shown up and that extra pressure and that extra scrutiny on the left hand side has kind of found him out to a certain degree I think it's Mm. just one of those things where I would love to see him become United's permanent right back for the next sort of five or six years if possible but realistically it's one of a number of positions where you could say yeah we probably could do better there and then we've got the likes of uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka who we're also looking at as well is he left or right back sorry Wan-Bissaka yeah <laughs> right he's a right back I don't mind them I mean who knows realistically you could chuck into that situation right now at left back and suddenly get instant dividends from because you know we'll get onto this later but transfer targets who knows who can actually come into this United side and instantly improve them bar maybe Messi but still I mean he's our player of the season almost by default and that's purely because he has shown up he has put the effort in he's tried his hardest and he's been fit and available and done whatever is asked of him and I guess if that's the if that's the level that we're at right now and that's the level we're at for this season it's completely befitting of how things have gone this last campaign right uh, you have Antonio Valencia yeah I mean, he's another one. We, we spoke about Ashley Young. I mean, there, there are certain mirrors here that epitomises United's weird direction of travel in the last five, six, even about seven or eight years, that he's another who was an, a pretty effective winger who became a right-back and is always... I mean, I mean, given he, he, he hadn't played that position before and when he was first asked to play it, I think he adapted pretty well. And certainly he was a serviceable right-back for, for a few years, even if, as we've will have said and a million other fans have said constantly his work going forward has generally been extremely limited it's only slightly more limited than his left left foot mm-hmm. um but the, but but like young he's another one who who physically has just dropped off a cliff this season um, well i mean the he, big thing had... at the start of the season was that essentially Mourinho didn't think he was fit enough when he returned to pre-season and that yeah. sort of set the pattern you know he barely played a game under ollie mm-hmm. 
and it was pretty soon on in the equation when Solskjaer was on, in charge that he was the, the reports came out that he was going to go. Yeah, it did, and he's. I mean, he's 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 clearly not been fit in an injury sense for uh, much of the last few months as well. I think I, I recall he started at Newcastle in the in the two 0 victory, and and Christian Atsu gave him an absolute roasting, um, particularly in the first half in that game. And really, we've seen very little of him since. And it's a shame that his send off was was as low key as it was. Because he he was clearly felt very proud that he'd spent a decade at, at United and and I, I don't think he'd ever let us down in an effort sense in any respect and and in his first few years I mean he was really a very effective winger certainly not an adequate replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo but then there are very few were but, but but given the relatively little money we spent on him I think he he actually probably provided a lot of bang for his for his bark for us particularly in those early years it's just a shame that his United career has kind of petered out as, as, as many of them have now and they're kind of left under under the enormous rain cloud that's covering the whole of United at the moment um, I mean there's talk of him going to the MLS now and I think he'll probably go there and, and do okay but I think it's definitely the right time for him to to leave and for United to move on as many of their right back right back kind of uh, failures surrogates. they can in one summer surrogates yeah. is my word but that, that's I suppose that's, that's also slightly true but move on as many of them as we can and we'll no doubt include Darman in that as well and, and actually try and fill that position with somebody who's actually a competent right back Yeah, which would be ace yeah, I mean, we can take off Darmian from the list now as well because you basically covered that too. <laughs> basically, rinse and repeat for Darmian without, you know, the fact that he played for the club for about 10 years. And fair play, as you said there, it would have been nice to give him a bit of a nicer send-off, but the Old Trafford crowd was understandably not really in the mood for that. Right, who have we got? Oh, where are we? Um, you can have Eric Bailly. Oh, dear Eric. Um, well... I do wonder if the fact that he got himself injured so badly, I think it was his leg, wasn't it, Uh, in the Chelsea game, I think that sort of put the skids on any potential exit because we've had Bailly for three years and pretty quickly we sort of surmised that he was easily our most committed and hard-crunching and physical centre-back in terms of actually being a presence. But we also came into the uh, understanding that he is also, on his day, just as error-prone as the other ones around him. And that is still ultimately where we sit with Bayer. It doesn't feel like we've really moved on any since his first season. You know, Injuries have certainly played a part this year, and that does have to be taken into the, the equation. But I just don't really see what we can get out of him consistently now. You know, I mean, I think after three years it's going to be a bit of a turnaround if he suddenly turns out to be the world-class centre-back that we hoped we were going to be getting after that first season. You know, I think that ultimately he is still a very committed guy and it's great to have him around and he seems like a perfectly decent bloke. But in terms of a centre-back, you know, he's still so rash. He still makes mistakes positionally. He's still at times overly physical to the point of completely misreading situations and ultimately again he is one of a number of defenders that United just need to improve on you know it's just not really good enough for where we want to be you know it's been fine to an extent if if we want to stay outside the Champions League and play in the Europa League for the next couple of years but realistically we don't really want to be doing that so you know as I said you know the injuries probably put the skids on any potential transfer this summer so you would suggest that that's probably going to be down to Rocco leaving so I guess segue, segue, segue. You can have Rocco. Cheers. Um, 
Yeah. There's what no friends favorite? here, mate. This is the player reviews pod. Get on with it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we go back to have something I've said every season that Marco Rocco, Marcus Rocco has been here, I think, which is that, that, that he he needs to be ejected. <laughs> into needs, the sun, needs, this one. He needs to be ejected into the sun now, yes. It used to be the sea, but we've moved on. He definitely needs to be completely eviscerated from, from, from humanity now. Well, the sun's further away, so that works. Yeah, Mar- Marcus Rocco is another one who utterly epitomises the absurdity of this Manchester United... Um, incarnation and regime in that somebody somewhere thought it'd be a really good idea to give him a new contract in March last year after he hadn't played for months through injury and when he had played wasn't very good and he managed to combine the two elements which are also uh, notable in several other central defensive players at United which is being really not very good at defending and also being incredibly fragile and, and incapable of playing many football matches. It, it's always bemused me that um, some United fans have all, it's almost like ab- absence has made the hard grow fonder for some, have kind of lionised him as this, at least he tries. But if we remember Rocco's last United performance, he, he almost certainly should have been sent off for an incredible two footed challenge on somebody at the end of the Chelsea game, shouldn't he? I think it's Pedro. It was, yeah, but, but he's a guy who essentially is been happy was happy to sign a new contract when he wasn't playing football on a on a huge wage and just sit on his ass and 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 pick up his money it's just amuses me a little bit that, that anybody thinks anything of him because he seems to me to be a guy who could have got away certainly last summer possibly the year before that i don't know if we, what Mourinho wanted to do with him but you know he's a, he's he's a distinctly average and slightly psychotic centre back, and, <laughs> and and the worst left back I've ever seen, yep. ever in, anywhere. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, I mean, the reality is this summer. As much as can we find someone to buy Marcus Rocco? Will Marcus Rocco give up his money to go somewhere else and actually play some football? I'm not convinced he will. I'm sure we'll try, but we, we're going to have the same the same issue with him that we that we've got with a number of other players is in that they're grossly overpaid and don't seem to really give a shit about playing football very much at all mm. you know he would be in my top top five who meet those criteria and, and who really really do need to be eviscerated by the sun okay so i'm assuming now you're going to give me another one of those center backs so you also think he was on a massive wage that we're going to struggle to move on that also deserves to be eviscerated into the sun yes great I'm going to give you Phil Jones, and I, I'm going to give you Phil Jones because we know you talk about Eric Bailly, and I think Eric Bailly's biggest problem has been that he came to us very raw. He'd not played an enormous amount of senior football because of the way that his move to Espanyol happened and his registration and stuff, and he hasn't been able to stay fit long enough to actually iron those those issues out. But if I had to choose, decide which Manchester United centre back we had to get rid of apart from Marcus Rocco if I had to choose a second I now look at Phil Jones and I think he's got all of those qualities all of those issues that Eric Bailly has except that he's now like 27 or something and should know better and he's played <laughs> enough games to know better so I'm throwing Phil Jones at you as a so you can you can use Eric Bailly as a comparative and, and other stuff and and agree with me that he needs to be I mean, so, you've done so my work for me there. What the hell do you want me to say after that? Well, you tell me how you, tell me how you feel. The exact same. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh gosh, Phil Jones. I mean, 
one moment sticks out, which is the most Phil Jones thing to have ever happened. It was the way we dealt with that cross at Molyneux in the game against Wolves in the league. And that sums up, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll amalgam Chris Smalling and Phil Jones together for this one, just to make lives a little bit easier. Errors like that are symptomatic of who they are as footballers. We can't separate that out anymore. They're not young players. They are playing in roughly what should be the prime of their careers, and they keep making fundamental mistakes. And the difference between the two, I guess, is that we have seen more consistent form from Chris Smalling in terms of his ability to shut players out, to maybe not distribute the ball well and get the ball moving, but at least consistent capability. But especially over this season, Phil Jones and Chris Smalling have been, for the most part, wank. (laughs) Just in terms of their ability to concentrate, in terms of their awareness of where the other one is, in terms of their perhaps leadership and their ability to actually organise a back four, they are completely out of their depth in terms of what United require at this stage. And the fact that they've both been given new contracts in the last sort of six, seven months, I believe it is, speaks for... I mean, you know, the the argument's been made that it's partially because United need to have a certain homegrown criteria or English criteria of players to be able to still compete, you know, depending on what happens with, you know, new regulations. Fair enough. But is this really how we're going to frame it? We've got so many homegrown players that we currently are able to play, you know, young attackers who could easily take up those slots without paying a lot of money to Phil Jones and Chris Smalling on a weekly basis. Because ultimately, hand on heart, we know these two defenders aren't good enough. The fact that this is the fourth year in a row, we're roughly going to be saying the exact same thing about Chris Smalling and Phil Jones. How damning is that? Like, we've done this every single year and said these defenders aren't good enough and they just get rewarded with new contracts. What the hell? The problem with Chris Smalling isn't that Chris Smalling is at Manchester United. The problem with Chris Smalling is that Chris Smalling should be third or fourth choice centre-back at Manchester United and not starting starting every week. Because like you say, Phil Jones can't stay fit and I think it seemed to me, particularly this season now, it, his head has completely gone. He's always had a mistake in him, but it just seems to me now that he, he's just completely lost it. He's, 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 I don't know whether it's confidence or it's just because he's not played enough football, but he's clearly that he's over the hill and far away. Chris Morling can still largely defend competently, you know, seven or eight games out of ten, and also stays fit. He's not a bad player to have around as your third or fourth choice centre-back. Phil Jones is of no use to United whatsoever anymore, um, to the point where you've got a guy in him who is actually quite an experienced international footballer, but who I would gladly sell and replace with somebody like Axel Tuenzebe, who has had an excellent season in the Championship, aside from injury, and he's clearly got talent, but we don't know how good he can be. That, for me, is now more attractive than experienced international who can't stay fit and isn't perfect but can do a job because Phil Jones isn't really even that anymore much like Ashley Young isn't I think someone said I read I read a piece somebody wrote in the last couple of days where they basically said there's quite a lot of United players who've just gone over the hill at the same time it's not just a case of quality it's that you've got guys who 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 have just gone either mentally or physically or both and we talked about Ashley Young, we talked about Antonio Valencia, and I think Phil Jones is another one of those. And it, it seems to me now that he needs to do what what uh, Johnny Evans did, which was is to get a move away somewhere else, where if he's if he can stay fit, he'll play every week rather than being shipped in and out as part of a squad, as part of a failing back four, 
where he's clearly he, he's just completely shot again I could see some logic to to them getting new contracts a while back and I still think they could either could, or both could be sold I think more likely either and I don't think it it precludes that but if I were Phil Jones now particularly I'd be I'd be going to Bologna Solskjaer and saying look I need to get away I need to go somewhere else and actually just enjoy playing football again because he clearly doesn't anymore no very true oh let's see who have we got I mean technically it's mine for you now isn't it Uh, you can have Dello yeah when when United signed Dello he he was very highly rated prior to United buying him and he's kind of someone whose name I'd heard in quite impressed circles but never seen him play football. And the first thing that I noted about him when he started to play for us was that he's technically clearly far better than any of the other right-backs we've, we've got at the club or any of the full-backs we've got at the club. He's clearly a gifted footballer. He can dribble, he can cross. He's even got a step over here or there. The question for me is, is he good enough as a defender or can he be good enough as a defender to play as a right-back at United? Because... You know, he, he was brought up a great deal on playing as a, as a wing-back, which is quite a different role. And, and ha- there's a lot more benefit to a guy who's very technically gifted and good going forward, who doesn't necessarily have to be the greatest defender in the world. Whereas United only infrequently play with, with five at the back. And you could see that Oli was struggling with that because he, after a few weeks, he, he's, if he was going to pick Dallow, he picked him on the right wing, which made some sense because... You know, particularly if you look at a game, say a, a, a difficult way game, you could see there was some sense in playing two guys on the right hand side who were essentially both defensively minded to a degree, but the guy who was further forward at least had some technical quality that could perhaps create something. And so he's a big question mark for me because what do United do this summer? They have to buy a right back. They have to buy a right back. Do they buy an experienced guy, an experienced, decent, you know, pretty? decent someone like Thomas Mounier or god I don't know Kieran Trippier or whatever you know what I mean but, but essentially a, I know I know essentially a, a relatively experienced right back who will kind of guide and hold the fort while Dallow uh, develops or do we think you know I'm not sure if he's ever going to be the right back that we need him to be get someone like Aaron Wan-Bissaka who we know can be an exceptional right back and already is an exceptional right back and then essentially Dallow's progress goes out the window. And it's muddied further by the fact that we've got a guy in the academy, Nathan Led, who is incredibly gifted if he can stay fit. And we don't necessarily want to block his pathway to the first team for, for the rest of time. So what I'd, what I'd say about Diego Dallow is I'm not willing really to make an, a judgment on him as a right back yet because he's got a lot of developing to do my concern is that he's far better going forward than he is defending and that that may ultimately hold him back amen right so by process of elimination i have monsieur victor lindelof easily our best defender this year not that that's necessarily a very difficult crown to have achieved and won but i think Whilst he hasn't been absolutely stellar, I think we've seen a little bit more of the reasons why we actually spent that sum of money on him two summers ago. You know, I think he is looking more and more like a capable United centre-back. And I'm not necessarily saying that he should absolutely form the core of what is going to be our next big defensive partnership. And I still think that bringing in a new centre-back to accent him and sit by him is going to be great because I've got very little faith that any of the other ones that we have at the club are capable of doing so. But yeah, I think Lindelof has actually been 
despite the fact that our defense has been so leaky i don't i think he's probably the least culpable for that if that makes sense he's looked more assured he's looked more capable of reading premier league games bigger mistakes have been mostly eradicated if not com- but not completely um i think he's shown more of a presence when we've been attacking every now and then on set piece you know did well to get that uh, late equalizer against burnley and again you know it's just, it's it's often used as a way of comparing players and sometimes it's not fair but it's clear that he cares you know you even saw after the goal against Huddersfield when a lot of heads had dropped a couple of weeks back that he was there geeing players up and that's the kind of stuff you want to see from someone who you regard as a leader defensively and I think that given the time given more quality around him and that's by him in the centre and on both flanks will get a little bit more out of Victor Lindelof I think he can produce more than he's producing currently and he has been one of few encouraging aspects of this team in the sense that he has shown an improvement. He has shown that he could be of United calibre. And as I said, of the current centre-backs we have, he is by far and away are clearly, at the minute, most capable and capable of staying fit, which is quite a big thing for our centre-backs these days. Right, I mean, that is the goalkeepers and defenders sorted out. So let's take a quick segue to discuss our women's team. They got a very deserved uh, round of applause and... Uh, reception when they came onto the pitch at Old Trafford with the FA Women's Championship trophy. I mean, we spoke about this a little while ago after the uh, promotion to the uh, Women's Super League was confirmed, which has now been ratified by the league after the application, so even better news, even though that wasn't really much of a worry. Um, what an excellent season. You know, Casey Stone, who's done a superb job with the team. It was great to see them get that sort of reaction, that sort of recognition from the Old Trafford crowd for having you know come in as a new team all pushed together and to have created such a cohesive unit and a successful unit as well one that did quite well in cup competitions in such a short space of time and considering everything else that's been going on at the club that is easily the success story of United's year isn't it yeah it is and and I know I've made this point before but it shows that when when there's a will United can organize and recruit and set up structures to be successful when they want to, whatever they do. You know, the academy's been dramatically improved in the last three years or so. There's been a lot of very good recruitment to the academy as well. And we've repeated the trick with the women's team, which we belatedly set up. We've we've clearly invested heavily in it straight away. We've gone out and we've got the best people that we could get. And, and, and admittedly, you know, we, we, did, we, we have had a enormous financial advantage over any of the other sides in in the championship this season but nevertheless you've still got to put that money to use and as we're seeing at first team level it's not a given um but 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 we have gone out and got the best best players we can get the best coach we we could get and it's all come together to provoke to create a season that's just been one of absolute dominance mm-hmm. and there's absolutely there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that they they can go up to the Premier League next year and be very extremely competitive in that league even if we're not you know I think it's unrealistic to be at the at this a similar level to to City and Chelsea and Arsenal who've been investing pretty heavily in their women's teams for, a, for quite some time now and picking up a lot of talent but we're certainly capable of going into that league and and making a very sound and promising start to the season next season yeah sure I mean I guess the other things to mention as well <clears throat> Jess Sigsworth 18 goals scored across 113 goals scored by the team as well didn't even win player of the year that went to Katie Zellum very deserving of it and 
Yeah, as we said as well, it's going to be nice to have the extra exposure as well that being in the Women's Super League actually gets you, which would be nice. You know, the games will be better covered. We'll be able to talk about them a bit more. We'll be able to watch them a bit more, which would be great because we're going to need a distraction from whatever the hell is going to happen next season, which is a bonus. Mm. But I guess there's still a couple more things to talk about in terms of this domestic season that aren't necessarily United related. So Sunday afternoon, the prophecy was not fulfilled. Liverpool did not actually get that Premier League title that they've lusted after for close to three decades. Thank God. Oh, good grief. I mean, Brighton at least tried. And there was a brief moment where Liverpool actually were winning the league. And then City just decided, no, that's not happening and turned it around and thrashed them. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I guess I understand to a certain extent why people are lauding this Liverpool side because it's ended up being a very, very competitive league season between the top two. They pulled away very early on and, you know, what is it, 97, 98 points. For Liverpool not to have won the Premier League with such a high points return must be an absolute sickener. And it's also very, very funny. So, (laughs) I mean, they played excellent football, the two of them, and, you know, on a level that United haven't necessarily reached prior, just in the sense that they've done so well and picked up so many points. Liverpool lost one game throughout the entire campaign and didn't win the league. It's just mad. Let's be honest, Liverpool, Liverpool are everything now that United aren't. Uh, they're everything now that that Fergie's United were as the <clears throat> the early nineties progressed. Mm. Essentially, you know they haven't they haven't got that title yet. I'd say they probably will, but, but you just it, it's difficult to see City not continuing to to motor through everybody. But but I think there's going to be an arms race between those two those two clubs now, and it's going to be incredibly difficult for anybody else to to keep up in the in the medium term. But but as you know, as, as, as sickening as, as it is to say, Liverpool are everything, everything that United are, and it's been it's been absolutely clear to those who wish to open their eyes that for the last couple of years that was the tra- trajectory tra- trajectory they've been on, and that <clears throat> the Mourinho winning a League Cup and Europa League was in no way um, a sign that he was doing a better job, or, or that United were doing a better job, and United heading in the right direction than. Than Liverpool, you know that that little little interlude of form for United in the two or three months in the middle of the season, you know, just to give us that <clears throat> give me that that feeling of what it must be like to be a Liverpool fan at the moment, just to, to feel momentum and to be really watching, you know, really lovely football and seeing your players actually playing in any of their potential. On, on the flip side, and you know, whilst it's it's pretty absurd us trying to mock Liverpool for anything at the moment, but um, one of my best friends is a, a Liverpool fan, and he. Um, sent me a, a text about the title a few weeks ago and I said I don't think you're going to do it and he said it doesn't it doesn't matter and I'll, I'll sit back and, and watch and enjoy United implode instead <laughs> and I said to him uh, and that's fair 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 enough yeah, but, but, like, but, but as, I, as I said to him it doesn't matter what happens to United this season it doesn't matter how bad it is not winning the title this year is going to hurt and it's not going to make it go away and you know, there have been years when United have missed out on the title in, even you know during Fergie's time and Liverpool being absolutely trash is funny, but it doesn't make up for it. It doesn't make up for for United missing a title on the last day or or whatever else. Mm. And and that's even without us having had a thirty year gap since we last won the league. Football's about Schadenfreude, isn't it? I mean, football is Schadenfreude. That's why we're in it. And so to see Liverpool pipped despite having the most ridiculous season probably in their history is quite amusing but 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 then there is the fact that they're very very heavy favorites to win a european cup i don't know man i mean i do think that spurs are gonna win that one 
I, I just feel like I they've got something in Europe that just I mean, look at their run. You know, they started really badly in the group stages. You know, good result against Inter. Went to the uh, went to Camp Nou and drew. Uh, absolutely rinsed past Dortmund. Such strength to get through City, and then the way that they came back against Ajax in the second half of the second leg, that was magnificent. You know, they've been. Not always great to watch, and you can definitely see the limitations of uh, Pochettino's squad. But the fact that he's been able to do what he's done without any investment last summer and get those players on the same page and running through walls for him has been incredible. And it's been great to watch them. I mean, even if I hadn't been, you know, even if we weren't United fans wanting Liverpool to lose, I would still want Spurs to win. But, you know, even then, you've got to talk about the other side of that in the sense that Liverpool, the way that they root through Barcelona was a combination of extremely enjoyable because I love watching Barcelona get thrashed every time those massive heads of theirs get pricked. But by the side, but the other side of that was that it was Liverpool, so it was also quite sickening. But regardless, it should be a fun Champions League final and the Europa League final with Arsenal and Chelsea as well. You know, just a shame that all the three of the finals that are going to happen between now and the end of the season do not have us in them. <laughs> it's true, but a lot of people have, have kind of mocked the, the Premier League this season and said it's a bit of a joke league. But it's a very myopic view that I mean, we're not we don't have all four European finalists for by mistake, and I think it it goes to show just how incredible Liverpool and City seasons have been. That essentially our our third place team is is in the Champions League final, and our fourth and fifth teams have relatively simply strolled to the Europa League final. And you know, Arsenal have inconsistently been in the Premier League. They've walked past Valencia. They've won home and away against Napoli. You know, essentially the second best team in Italy. The Premier League is a seriously, seriously strong league this year. And if you look at teams like Wolves and Leicester and Everton, who've been recruiting very intelligently and they've had the advantage of money, it, it really is it really is a tough league at the moment. I'm not too fussed about Arsenal playing Chelsea in the Europa League final. I mean, ultimately, it's the Europa League. I couldn't give a toss anyway. And good luck to them. But that, that European Cup final really is, really is one that I'm not looking forward to. I, I've always had a soft spot for Spurs and I'd really like Spurs to do it. And I also want, that final is, is it basically shows us that football, how, how, how little football is often about talent. Because that 4-0 against Barcelona was achieved, I would suggest with Liverpool having at most three world-class players on the pitch. Maybe four. And two of those were not world-class players when they were first played by Klopp you know he they've they developed into that into that role mm. <clears throat> through his coaching that that game and both those games showed the importance the absolute importance of coaching and motivation and and a manager creating a psychological state at a club where the players are devoted to them and they want to do everything they can not just for themselves but for their manager as well and that is what Klopp and that is what Pochettino have and it happens for Guardiola as well. That's what those three coaches have had. That's that's let, left them streets ahead of anybody else in this in this league. And going forward, if I'm looking at Ollie, my concern is: can Ollie get to a situation where though his players feel a similar devotion to him as those other teams do to their managers? And there's just something in me that says that he just doesn't have the charisma and the the personality that they do. Now I hope I'm wrong, and I hope he proves me hopelessly wrong but we've seen we've seen in those those teams getting to that, that final just how absolutely vital that dynamic between players and um a manager is and that 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 Liverpool team is is as good as it is now because because Klopp has coached those players 
and motivated those players to be far, far, far more than what most of them were when he got hold of them. Mm-hmm. And that's the, and the the flip side of that is that in the last seven or eight years, United have become a place where players come to the club and become far less than they were before they joined, or, or far, and, and far less than their initial promise demonstrated. And that, if we're doing anything right from now on, that is something we've got to change. And I don't have the foggiest idea how we do that, but but it's got to change because that is what is weighing us down. Mm. Do you want a player for your first midfield pick that is going to basically back up most of what you just said there and also speak to our complete mess of a transfer strategy? You can hit me with that player, yes. Fred! Fred. I'd like to say that I know why United bought Fred and that there's a player... There were lots of comparisons made at the start of the season with Naby Keita, which made me laugh because I'd seen Naby Keita play in Germany a lot and Naby Keita... Navigator is shit hot. He may not have got there. He it may have taken him a long time to to adjust. But you can see towards the end of the season what a really, really high level footballer he is. Fred <clears throat> started crap and has has not improved in any way. I, I look at him and I just I don't understand what we saw when we were scouting him. Let alone what we saw when we thought, yeah, let's pay fifty million pounds for that guy. Because I don't think he's tactically incredibly intelligent. He's not an incredibly destructive player in the, in the defensive sense, in, in terms of breaking down opposition attacks. And he's just not very good on the ball. His touch is poor. His passing isn't good enough. We, we've basically just taken £50 million and flushed it down the toilet on that guy. And I hate saying it, but we have. And and one of the biggest issues we've had this season is, is that our midfield have treated the football like a hot potato and he's been a big part of that I, I honestly don't know where we go with, from here with him because I, I can't see what use he is to us going forward I can only see that we the, the only route out for him really is to is alone somewhere and I, I can't even see that happening because we've got so few midfielders at the moment of any quality anyway and we need to buy minimum two in the summer I can't see how he's not going to be here next year but I can't see what use he's got next year either who have I got for you um, I, I'm I'll give you Scott McTominay. Oh, why? Um, well, all the midfielders are why. <laughs> That's very true. Aren't they? Okay, Scott McTominay. Um, I think there have been flashes of why Mourinho rated him so highly, even if that doesn't completely excuse the fact that he clearly made up an award just so he could say, oh, look at me, I give young players a chance at Manchester United. Look at me, I'm good, woo! Um... I think there's definitely been points since Solskjaer's come in to suggest that there is perhaps... I mean, this is an easy comparison to make because they're both playing for Scotland, but a Fletcher-type role in the sense that he is someone who can be a valuable presence in midfield, if not necessarily a creative outlet. You know, what the Tomney has frequently done for us in games has been good at man-marking slash breaking up the play and passing the ball on to more capable people. Um, having said that, you know, he scored two pretty decent goals in the second half of this season, which is more than most players in our team can actually say. So, go figure. Um, I have no issues with him sticking around the team, but I think, as Sunday against Cardiff showed, if you start taking him out of his natural position, which essentially seems to be a deep-lying central slash defensive midfielder role you're going to get Phil Jones slash Chris Smalling level defending and that is certainly what happened on Sunday afternoon 
You know, he is yeah. still quite raw. I think that there is a half decent footballing brain in there. I realistically still don't know whether or not he is good enough to be in that starting eleven on a no, let me rephrase that. I am relatively confident that we can definitely do better than McTominay. But in terms of a useful sort of squad player to have around in the ilk of a Chris Smalling, you could be the sort of third or fourth choice centre back. McTominay's in a similar level where you could slot him in if we're having a couple of injury problems or if we just need someone to do a bit more of a physical job for us in midfield and could slot in and do an okay job. And you know, that's pretty much all it is. And I guess the the element behind that is that you just think back to, wow, we're settling in a lot of areas at the minute for some of our players, really, aren't we? Um okay. You have got uh, Andreas Pereira. Andreas Pereira. He scored a lovely goal against Southampton. He absolutely did. Lovely, lovely goal. It's also fairly clear to me that Andreas Pereira isn't good enough to play midfield for Manchester United going forward. He may well end up being at the club next year just by virtue of the fact that who else is there? But yeah, I, I mean, I've certainly definitely had high hopes for him, but I just don't think he has the the technical, technical ability in the first place to play in anything like the standard we need him to play at. I don't think he naturally fits Ollie's preferred system. You know, he, he, he I'd say Pereira's best season as a as a professional footballer was at <clears throat> on his year on loan at Granada when he played as a number ten and was probably their best player at a time when they were the worst player in La Liga by a million miles. We don't play with a ten. I don't think he's got the attributes or the technical or, or the tactical nous to to play in a three in midfield and as really nice as that goal was and as really nice as the idea is that he can take a free kick which absolutely nobody else anywhere near Manchester United can do he's not good enough I mean the one thing you could say with McTominay and McTominay for me is an extremely limited footballer is that he has qualities that mean that he can be useful in a destructive sense that's not necessarily necessarily something we've we've had in abundance in the midfield Pereira I don't really see what he offers that's good enough in in either sense, either creatively or um, work or, rate or defensively. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean that's I the think... thing with Pereira. I don't really know what he does. No, I mean I think the game against Liverpool, the the nil nil draw at home. He was one member of a midfield that put in an, an enormous shift that game. Mm. Really put in a lot of effort, and I don't I don't doubt that he that he puts in a huge amount of effort when he's playing. I just think he's one of a number who just aren't of the right quality. He's, he's, his contract's up in twelve months' time. I can't imagine him wanting to sit on his ass next year because he's in the past he's forced two loans just so he can play football, and he he just seems to me to be one that in an ideal world we we'd sell on for a few quid with a year left on his contract and he'll go on and have a decent career somewhere else. Mm. But if we sell on everybody that needs selling on, our midfield will have precisely nobody in it, um, apart from Scott McTominay and maybe Paul Pogba. Well, apart apart, apart from Scott McTominay, but then even even McTominay. He's a qualified, uh, he tries hard, but I don't think he's actually that good at the football. Mm. But like you say, he's a good guy to have around the squad because he's got certain qualities that that are of use to a team where I just don't see it with Pereira at all. Sure. Just as I don't see it with Fred, and I don't see it with the guy I'm going to give you named Manumatic. Oh, nice segue, but you absolute bastard. That's right. Oh, blimey. Um, Nemanja Matic's transfer remains something of an enigma to me in the sense that Mourinho bought him. I mean, at the time, especially in the first couple of months of the season where United were flying uh, in the second, sort of his second season, 
which was you know close to two years ago in the sense that he seemed to be offering a solidity and a reading of the game and an almost carrot-like ability to pick out the right passes and get us moving that we'd been lacking for some time that very quickly dissipated through the course of last season there were flashes every now and then that he could actually help us to run games and offer some sort of presence and that is not too dissimilar from what we've seen this year in the sense that his every now and then you will see him put in a game that is not terrible and at least offers us something i don't know necessarily what but it's intangible too in a sense that we can actually start to actually have some sort of foothold in a game the problem is is that his peaks this season, there have been a lot of them, have been so, so, so low. It's just been very difficult to watch a game, mostly with the Emmanuel Matic. And even you can say that in the sense that when Solskjaer came in, he was one player amongst a lot of players who looked re-energised, who looked like they actually had something about them. And had actually played decent football for a couple of games, at least, at least several weeks. You know, he formed part of that midfield three with Matic, the Matic, Herrera and Pogba that looked like they were giving us everything we could possibly need. Obviously, that didn't last, but at the time, it looked like it made sense. Now we're at the end of the season, his second season at United, and I realistically just would be happy if someone came and offered us 10, 15 million pounds for him because we just have no control of a football game if the Manny Matic starts. He just doesn't he's again you could almost put him alongside the likes of Valencia and Young even if you're taking a couple of years off them because the Matic sorry Matic is a bit younger but he just seems to have lost the ability and the fitness level and the focus required to actually help United to control a game in midfield that's been one of our biggest problems over the last two years and especially this season as things started to go awry was that we just did not have any control of any game really in the center of the park and he doesn't necessarily help us to unlock defenders. He's not necessarily very good at tackling. He's not a great physical presence, so it starts to make you wonder what exactly he offers. And the answer is not very clear to me at all, to be quite frank with you. Um, so switching on from Matic, uh, we've got two left. Uh, well, let's let's use another one of the of the lads that said goodbye to United after a couple of years of service. Ander Herrera. Yeah, Daniel Taylor of the uh, of the guardian probably the best football journal out there at the moment amen tweeted after uh, it was announced or after Herrera's slightly ridiculous leaving video given where he's going and, and what for it epitomized united's plight at the moment that united fans were having or some united fans were having a bit of a breakdown about losing Herrera who in his opinion was a 6 out of 10 player every game i think he's right i think i think here's a guy who i've absolutely no doubt has given us every ounce of himself while he's been at United but tempered with that is that he I don't he's one of the he's a midfielder who I don't think he's exceptional at anything so he's had his uses you know Marine, he, I think he got player of the season the season Mourinho used him as as a, an exclusively holding midfielder and he could do that he could do that not to a world-class level but he could do it to a decent level then he never really settled under Van Hal but, but Solskjaer's used him as a box-to-box player and Mourinho did a bit as well in the last 18 months of his time at United but the problem he has is in a more offensive sense is that he's a body in midfield who doesn't really create doesn't really score very much for United this season that's been an enormous problem now he is the kind of guy who can who can give some balance to a midfield 
but but Daniel Taylor is entirely correct, and it's a point that others have made as well that he's not an exceptional player. We're just more upset about, or people have just been more upset about his departure because everyone else is absolutely awful, as far as I'm concerned, and and also the fact that I think it's just it's just useful and instructive to to be able to use him as another reason to to beat the club with and and believe me there are many 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 reasons to beat the club with (laughs) but ultimately here's a guy who has essentially decided to go elsewhere i talked to her about how footballers are people we look at everything in black or white terms you know player wants to be hit at the united player doesn't want to beat united if he doesn't want to beat united he doesn't love the club he's got no feeling for the club if he wants to leave it's just money grabbing bastard whereas the reality is that you know he's been at the club for however long Mourinho may not necessarily have wanted him to be given a new contract a long time ago he's entitled to try and earn the best wage he can he's entitled to look for the best security he can get for his career and for his family and whatever else and he's entitled to look at Paris and think I can go and live I can take my family and live in a beautiful city for three years and probably win quite a few trophies while I'm there and at the moment, I'm not doing that here, and this this club is not going anywhere. His leaving shouldn't be an enormous blow to United in terms of his pure ability. The only real concern I have is, can United buy a better player? Are they capable of buying a better player to replace him? And that's that's a different a different question altogether. <laughs> yeah. But it's just an, it's just another one. That's, it's not easy to pigeonhole. It's not easy to say, oh, he's a greedy bastard. You know, it, it annoys me that football fans have are extremely hypocritical when they're assessing footballers as opposed to themselves are we all greedy bastards for wanting to take a job with a much higher salary ultimately we're not are we it's it's just envy it's envy because they earn more money than we'll ever see in our lifetimes and and so we we feel the same shouldn't apply to them we're talking about De Gea as well and and that that black and white thinking of either he loves the club and he wants to stay or if he doesn't love the club if he wants to leave he doesn't love the club and the you, you know the, the, reality, the reality is that whilst we can hope that players have some emotional connection to the club, and I think De Gea must do because of the amount of time he's stayed in a terrible team, the club also has a responsibility to make itself attractive to not just signings but to its own players. And United isn't that. United are about as far down the well of attractiveness as they could possibly be. You know, we're a club that, that is failing, that is declining team's getting worse and we are increasingly looking completely incapable of doing anything right going forward if you're Herrera to me I don't blame him for leaving it shouldn't be an enormous thing for United but it will be because we're just incapable of buying good footballers at the moment and we're just looking at this looking looking at the email you sent me here with all the names of the players on the paucity of midfield ability is just frightening <laughs> it's absolutely painful we you talk you talk when you talk about Matic and you were talking about the uh United's midfield being being completely incapable of controlling a game, and it's essentially like a civil season, hasn't it? It's been tactically terrible. It's got very little mobility. It's been so easy to to bypass all season in defensive sense, and it's been so poor at ball retention in in offensive sense. But then, if you look at the players that that we've got playing in there, it's not it's no bloody surprise, is it? You know. Most of them, most of them are neither technically good enough nor defensively good enough and or mobile enough. So you get a midfield which is which is just completely a nothing. And in a sense, losing Herrera, if in isolation, be a blow to that. But we've got to hopefully back ourselves and go out and try and buy a midfielder who's actually better at 
things than he is because they are out there. It should not be that hard to find a midfielder who's a better fit and who can do either attacking or defending or both better than Ander Herrera can. Mm. I mean, I guess this speaks a little bit more about United's managing of its players in terms of the contracts and also its ability to replace not necessarily squad players, but its core team with more quality options. So the argument with Herrera is seemingly that, and we'll come on to Alexis Sanchez in a little while, that essentially his massive wage bill, sorry, his wage packet has essentially thrown lots of things out of whack. You know, De Gea is asking for a lot more money. Herrera is potentially asking for a lot more money to stay at the club. And obviously players feel they're more entitled to a higher level of salary because that's what Alexis Sanchez is getting. And Sanchez has been shocking. Yeah, we'll get onto that in a little while. And yeah, you're completely right. There is the fear about what United will do when it comes to replacing a player like Herrera, who especially since uh, Solskjaer came in, apart from the injury, you know, quite unquote injury, was essentially a guaranteed starter. So there's definitely a hole that needs to be filled, filled in midfield there pretty much straight away. So have United got the ability to do that? I mean, the capability is there. Whether or not they can actually manage that is a completely different story. Because it's not, as you said, it's not that difficult to actually identify a replacement. And I think with Herrera, the whole issue around him leaving is actually clouded to a certain extent is because he is a player who seemed to have great affection for the club. He spoke a lot about being Mancunian in terms of his love of being in the city and the club. And all that sort of stuff does have an effect. And it does romanticise the whole equation, doesn't it? The, the video that was tweeted out by United, which I thought was quite nice and poignant, that sort of stuff comes out. And obviously it has an effect because you're thinking, oh, why the hell are we letting this player leave when he clearly loves the club so much? Obviously it's not as binary as that. United likely just didn't want to pay the wages that Herrera wanted. And Herrera said, all right, fair enough. We've had a good five years and now I'm going to go somewhere else. I don't think there's any reason to feel bitter about it. Sometimes these things just happen. But ultimately, the more pressing when it comes to Herrera for me, in my mind, is can we replace him with a quality individual who's going to be able to take the club up to the next level? And that completely remains to be seen. And when it comes to mismanagement of players, because I'm going to assign this one to myself because he's the last midfielder on the list, I've got Pogba! Woohoo! Woo. Oh, God. I mean, the discourse surrounding Paul Pogba as a Manchester United footballer and as a human being is on a level unparalleled, I can think of almost any other footballer we've had since maybe Ronaldo, in the sense that it's a very poisonous very emotive and very difficult debate to be had. So let's talk about him as a whole this season. You know, his biggest haul in terms of goals, what is it, 16 goals and 11 assists. Obviously, that's uh, tempered somewhat with the fact that quite a lot of those have been penalties. So there's definitely that to bring into the equation. You know, he ends the season as our top goal scorer, if memory serves, which is, you know, quite ridiculous when you think about it, considering that we do have players who can score goals other than him. But there we go. In terms of Pogba as a whole... When it comes to discussions about his loyalty to the club or where he should be going next season, I'm going to stick my neck out and say that if Pogba wants to leave United right now, who at the club can possibly blame him? The club is not going anywhere fast. He arrived three years ago, and the longest we've got into a genuine charge at the Premier League title was last year, and that evaporated when we got beaten by City in December. We haven't come anywhere near that. We have not been challenging for top honours. And realistically, that is always what Pogba's been driven by, right? Is to win top honours. He's not doing that at United, so it's completely understandable that he would want to go elsewhere. Having said that, given the situation that has played out, I don't think he is blameless 
for the narrative that surrounds him. I think that people are very quick to jump on his quote-unquote lack of effort and there's been plenty of videos going around on Twitter today point pinpointing his lack of willingness to help and track back when Cardiff scored their second at the weekend and that sort of stuff doesn't help but that is not why we brought Paul Pogba from Juventus for eight to nine million pounds we bought Paul Pogba to be a marquee signing for the club and to take us up to another level and one of the key factors that has to be brought into the equation when you talk about Pogba is that United spent just shy of £90 million on a player that they had no idea of what to do with. And that has been a common theme over the last several years, is that we have not given Pogba the proper space in which to flourish. Whether it was spending £50 million on Freddy's turned out to be, for the most part, a complete dud. Whether that is bringing the Manu Matic into his side, which seemed to work for a little while, but he's fallen off a cliff. Yes, there have been several players bought, you could say, to help facilitate him and give him a bit more space and time so he can push further forward and play a bit higher up the pitch like we know he is clearly capable of and where he excels at. But United have almost to a T been been unable to get a plan to help Pogba flourish consistently. Now, plenty of people will turn around and say... Well, if Pogba was able, if Pogba was worth 89, 90 million quid or whatever, then he should be able to adapt. Yes, that's also part of the argument. Pogba hasn't always been fantastic this season. And given the way that the first half of this campaign was so poisonous, he was one of the people that really missed out and had massive problems. He didn't play well. He didn't play great. And he was playing under a cloud like so many of the rest of his colleagues. And in terms of what happens now... I don't know. I mean, Mino Raiola, his agent, is going to be unable to really conduct any business until April, sorry, August. So who knows what happens with that, whether that will stop a transfer going through. If Pogba wants to go and United get an offer that is suitable, I wouldn't be surprised if he left. And a, one part of me thinks maybe that's for the best because I don't think he's enjoying his time at United. And there's a lot of pressure on him to perform because we've got so little creativity in midfield. And maybe it's for the best for both parties if he goes. I'm not saying I want that to happen because I still want Pogba to succeed at United. But I'm I'm at the point now where I don't necessarily think the circumstances are ever going to be right for him to properly and consistently flourish. And that's there's, there's failure on both sides for that. It's not binary. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the problems with buying Pogba is you anybody who's seen him at, at Juve, you look at that midfield that he broke into, you've, you've essentially had Andrea Pirlo, who was probably the best possession-based orchestrator in, in, in world football at the time. You had Arturo Vidal, who was essentially probably the best combative box-to-box midfielder in the world at the time. And then you had Pogba, who was the, the fantasy. He was in a team that both controlled possession when it had the ball and also had the elements in place to break things down and get the ball back again when when they lost it he came to United and you know again just looking at this list of midfielders we've essentially got the luxury midfielder in Pogba without any of the other elements that made him successful at at Juventus and and I think it's obviously been obviously clear that he's become increasingly disillusioned over the last 18 months and I've no doubt that that at times has 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 shown in his in his performances the flies in the ointment of this this idea that we we can kind of divorce from each other is that first of all Real Madrid have got to be convinced to pay enormous wages and absolutely phenomenally enormous 
transfer fee for a guy who hasn't necessarily been consistent this season and who also, at a time also when their finances are an absolute mess. There's the flip of, if United sell Pogba, then essentially we need to buy three midfielders minimum this summer. We need to start again from scratch because the rest of the the complement of midfielders we've we've got, it's a championship midfield. That's not hyperbole. It, it is a championship midfield and we will find ourselves in a world of pain. So we we need to be buying three midfielders and that's on top of the centre-back we need, the right-back we need, the, the right-winger we need, the forward that we might need if we, and we'll talk about it in, in, a, in a bit, if we, if we get rid of Lukaku or the, the wide player, another wide player we need if we get rid of Sanchez or, you know, all these things mm-hmm. on top of each other and the chances of successfully pulling all of this off are incredibly slim and so with every player we sell this summer, I mean... You, in my feeling about the whole thing is we've got so many positions that we can upgrade significantly very quickly that we're better off this summer focusing on making those significant improvements that we can do relatively simply by buying four or five players a right back and a centre back and a right winger that we just don't even have and a couple of midfielders to upgrade what we have there and that immediately pushes the the club in theory back into towards the top four and, and hopefully beyond that then the next step of your de- de- development is the following summer sell a couple of your high value assets that you don't necessarily want anymore and have a plan in place to reinvest that significance those significant sums of money and the reality is say you know if united received 150 million for paul pogba <clears throat> would you trust us right now to have the the plan in place to spend that money as intelligently as Liverpool spent the Coutinho money this summer on top on top of everything else we have to do as well you know it's 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 completely unrealistic isn't it even for even for a competent club it would be a difficult process to do that to get that many players in and out of the door in in a reduced window again it, it would be an incredibly hard work for a club like United it would just potentially be absolutely suicidal and so all I'd say on Pogba is if you put better players alongside him next season, then think then he I think it would likely get more out of him, and also he will be in the knowledge that if he wants to move the following summer, then he can't have a year off because frankly Real Madrid or whoever aren't going to still pay potentially a hundred million pounds for a guy who's just come off the back of two seasons in which he's been distinctly average for three quarters of that time, so. It doesn't necessarily have. I don't necessarily think it makes sense to to cut the cord this this summer, if that makes sense. No, no, I completely agree. I mean, the issue is you sort of see that people. I mean, again, Pogba's got the ability to provoke such a reaction out of people. You know, he's, we've all seen the videos of fans having a go at him from the Stretford end as he was going down the tunnel at the end of the season. It's not savoury. I know that people are very frustrated and angered. They've identified who the pariahs of the situation are and who the ones who should be victimised. And it's not healthy and it's not really very productive. And I think that realistically, if you really wanted to have a go at someone, then Pogba was considering his output. Whilst it hasn't been absolutely stellar, he's one of the last ones I would really be pointing at and saying, yeah, you completely let the side down this season. Because it's just not the case, is it? The, the problem is is that United now are in a situation where their star asset in terms of their outfield players is unhappy. And they need to work hard in many ways this summer. And whether or not that is replacing Pogba or whether or not that is putting players around him, 
one something something's got to be done because this situation isn't tenable you know Pogba's clearly not as happy as he was he's not enjoying his football as much as he was and as someone who is very outwardly positive on social media this can't be a very enjoyable experience for him so you know let's see where we are in a month's time and then we'll figure out what's sort of going on with this transfer if anything because realistically he's only going one place this summer if it's not going to be staying at United he's going off to Real and who knows maybe we could get out a couple of players from the Bernabeu in the in the in the process but you know I think the big worry as it is with many of our players at the minute and going back to Herrera as well is do United have the ability to adequately replace a quality player and we don't know it's the easy answer to that or we're actually positive that we're not so yeah I'm not very edifying chat to finish off the midfielders but so I guess now it's time to go on to your thoughts so we went on to Twitter earlier on this afternoon and asked you to summarize your feelings any players that you would like in any players that you wanted out Basically, just give us an idea of how you found this very difficult season. So, we will start with Robert Lightley. Uh, we should be looking at at least two of these in midfield. Ndidi, Ndombele, Neves, Aoua, Fernandez, Brandt and Havertz. Possibly three, depending on who leaves. I mean, again, we just spoke about it. I mean, do you really bet that we're going to be able to bring in one of those, let alone two? Sean, at Sean on here. Is there an argument that this is solvable within the Glazers' system? That is to say, if Ed is the real problem, and if we signed a director of football for footballing matters, most fans would accept the Glazers? Well, no, I, I, do you know what? Most, I, I don't need to use the wrong phrase, I, I think I think match-going fans will never, ever, ever, ever accept the Glazers. I think a lot of British fans will probably not ever accept the Glazers, and a lot of United fans worldwide won't. But I think it, I think there are other fan groups within the United fan base who, who already... I mean, it always surprises me that there are people who defend them now. United fans who, who defend the Glazers now. Um, and not just a few, there are lots. So I was going to say, no, United fans will never accept the Glazers, but a lot of them already do. It baffles me, but... Yeah, well, I think, you know, to me, there's things that are not forgivable when it comes to managing a club of United size and quite-unquote stature because we've certainly not got the same standing as we had six years ago when Ferguson was leading us to that 20th title. You can't take a billion pounds out of the football club in terms of the way that it was purchased and laden it with such debt and really hamper its development despite the fact that we've obviously put a lot of money into transfers over that period and look at the way that Old Trafford leaks on occasions look at the way that essentially as a structure for the most part in the last decade it has stood Mm. still you can't say that you should be surprised that you're not accepted as owners of this football club if you're not willing to try and take it to the next level and improve it when we've watched a club several miles down the road be taken over from literal obscurity and plummeted into the forefront of football you know not necessarily all over Europe but the first team outside of what Chelsea in 2004 2005 2006 to win back-to-back Premier League titles you know this just that's not going to happen right Tariq Amir what I wouldn't give for a coherent transfer strategy wouldn't we all mate I'd be happy if the purchases were more considered rather than chasing shiny trinkets all the time for example don't waste time on Varane when Alderweireld and Manolis are attainable yeah I'd agree with that I mean Alderweireld would be quite nice I mean it'd be a laugh if we actually bought him for a relatively cheap fee, considering how much of a stink a uh, certain ex-manager kicked up last season will be T3DDY. Teddy, is this the lowest it's going to get, or do you fear it could get even worse before it gets better? Um, do I think it's going to get better? Um, I, I think I've already expressed my opinion on Twitter that United are circling the drain 
at the moment. And if this summer is undertaken wrongly, if it's if it's carried out poorly, if we don't get the right players in, I think it could get a lot worse. You could never compare two clubs perfectly, but if if you look at a club like uh, if you look at Monaco this season, essentially they, because of their place in the food chain, essentially had to rip up a team which got to the semi-finals of the Champions League and start again. And they had to sign a lot of players at once relatively in relatively short space of time. And on the face of it, they bought some reasonable players, but it didn't work. And they've gone essentially from being the second force in French football to really in being in significant danger of relegation. They're, they're, they're one goal outside the relegation zone with the game to play and because if things go badly at at a big club because the pressure is greater you can you can spiral down e- into into even greater depths than this, than the talent perhaps that your club dictates and i do think there's a real danger with united that if we don't get this summer right with clubs like leicester and everton and wolves and just a lot of clubs are in, investing quite intelligently now we could get a lot worse we, I mean, mm-hmm. this doesn't have to. It doesn't have to be like that. I've got, I've, I, I should I should qualify that and say, you know, if we get it right, we can get straight back into the top four relatively quickly. It's just that we're kind of on the edge. We we are circling the drain, and we've got, we we're, we're in that. What is? I know it says every summer. We always say this has been the most important summer since Fergie left, but this one really is it. You know, it could go either way. Absolutely. Our friend Musa Okwonga, sell everyone who is miserable as early as possible. Everyone. Mm. Players cannot perform in a toxic climate. Far better to get those untainted by the horror of much of the last few months. I mean, the problem with that is who hasn't been contaminated by the toxic climate of the last several no, months? Everybody, isn't it? <laughs> what is it? Scott McTominay? Maybe Damien? He looked fine when he came on against Chelsea. Mm. Uh, right, Peter Porker. Defence first priority. Uh, plus midfielders are all variations on box to box. Even Matic, back to back, sorry, box to box, he can't run anymore, could really do with a defensive midfielder in excellent position with excellent positional sense who can sniff out danger and someone who can dictate from deep with passing. Okay, uh, several on Solskjaer. Uh, at solo underscore hits should United be more ruthless and let go of Solskjaer and hire Poch <laughs> uh, another <laughs> uh, I mean they just hired him a couple of weeks ago but this is also uh, mirrored by Ken Tizzle at Red Cairn at what point hypothetically would we know that perhaps Ollie isn't the right man next season I mean how long's piece of string when it comes on that the season could go pear shaped very quickly depending on how this summer goes but I have seen people suggesting that we should let Solskjaer go as a result of these last few months which is ridiculous I mean like how do you even qualify that like I don't see there wasn't necessarily grumbles when we hide Solskjaer I can understand people thinking and we both said this it makes a bit of a weird decision to do it now considering that we just experienced two losses and there was still stuff to play for and we really needed an idea of what he was going how he was going to be able to cope with a downturn in form and as it happens it's not really been dealt with that well but it wasn't a completely ludicrous decision to give him the job at the time and I think that is something that needs to be reiterated at Dan underscore B94, I'd imagine everyone's technically miserable, to be honest. I'd sell Young, Jones, Rocco, Damia, Matis, and Sanchez. Think anyone else is a little unnecessary and just making more problems for ourselves. I'd start with Alderweireld and Munia. No ideas beyond that. 
Well, that's two more than I've got. Uh, at Mark Hopener, awful season, only going to get worse with cost-cutting staff appointments. Uh, at Dipak Sianyu, I feel the worst, unfortunately. Evidence suggests the new manager won't be back sufficiently or you'll go from third and fourth choice targets due to finances, meaning that Solskjaer will work with less talented players. We won't start particularly well. Uh, Samurai Jack at Snicker21. How can United fans feasibly wrest the club from Glazer control and own it outright? Can Rich give us any legal advice? Find some people who've got billions and billions and billions of dollars to club together and try and buy it. There isn't an alternative. We talked about in the past and has been mentioned a lot since the, particularly after in the years after Glazers took over, but the reality is United fans don't seem to be willing to not go to games. I think empty stadium, half-empty stadium would have a very significant impact on the owners and make them think that their investment wasn't going to appreciate anymore and that it might be time to jump, but the reality is, and I, I wouldn't judge anybody for that because you know ultimately this is people's lives, this is people people's routines for years. I I, could, I can't tell them what to do, but the reality is, without if the ground's still full every week, I, I, I can't see a, a scenario in which they sell unless they're offered an absolutely ludicrous amount of money. Chris McGuffin at the curse of Chris. This is the worst I've felt about United since Fergie left, even if it wasn't the worst performing one. Would love to see a player like Delict join, and I think Sancho would be the real deal. Build young. Uh, we've actually got a little bit of positivity in the last one for the night. <laughs> at Karango, I truly believe that Solskjaer is capable of identifying the ones that should go. It's whether the board trusts him to do what's needed. Let the big clear out begin! I enjoyed that. I mean, that was a bit of positivity in a sea of shite. Nice work. I mean, a little bit of uh, levity to end the evening on. But just before we go on to the attackers, guys, it's my yearly sort of thank you very much into the podcast. We always, always appreciate your comments. We appreciate you listening wherever you are in the world. And whenever you do listen to us, it's lovely and awesome to be a part of your week and helping to get through the season in some sort of weird codependency with you all has been wonderful don't forget if you are so inclined to donate to us you can do so at redvoices.net slash donate anything you can provide even if it's a one-off payment or a couple of payments for a couple of pounds or any other currency is hugely welcome that helps with running costs it's hugely appreciated and we would love you forever more than we already do so with that ended rich uh i'm gonna give you romelu lukaku if there's a player at United who is less suited to the approach to football that Oli seems to favour, which is one high pressing and lots of energy and lots of movement, then it's Romelu Lukaku. By virtue of the fact that he is an enormous guy who can't do a lot of running. I mean, he physically can't do a lot of running. I don't think it's because he's. I don't think it's because he's unfit per se. I mean, I know Gary Neville took the piss out of him during the Chelsea game when he'd done a 70-yard run and looked like he'd hardly breathe in the first half. But but the reality is he's 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 such a big guy. He's got even bigger. I don't know why, whether it's by accident or design. He can't press. He doesn't have great movement. He's a centre-forward who, with a lot of weight who doesn't bully defenders. If you're going to make most of Ron Lukaku, you need to be playing the ball in behind defenders for him to run onto or you need to be getting crosses into him. And we don't do either. You know, he's he's another one with quite a lot of residual value who I think will probably go to the right club elsewhere and, and do very well but I just don't see how much use he has to Ollie. the problem with that being that again if you sell Lukaku I don't think there's a club who give us a huge amount of money for him because I don't think they have the money out there and he's on such huge wages that any potential suitor would have to wouldn't be able to afford both and 
then you have to replace him. And and ultimately, in the last two seasons, he scored forty goals for us. And you have the same the same issue you had with Pogba. And even if it was as inconsistent as they are between the two of them in the last couple of years, they've probably contributed to fifty to sixty percent of our goals. And even if they don't fit particularly well in the team, if if you sell those that that number of goal contributions, you've got to replace them. And and in in our case, we've got to find more on top of that from somewhere else to improve. He's another one whereby I don't think he necessarily fits with what we need. And I can understand, he's another one where I can understand why he might be looking elsewhere as well. But but can we protect, can we realistically do everything we need to do and sell him and, and get the right player in to replace him on top of that? And my hunch mm-hmm. would be probably not. And that he he's another one alongside Pogba who I would ideally keep this summer and then hopefully get back into the top four and then use the, the reasonable money we'd get from the well pretty significant money we get from the both of them to properly reinvest in the planned in a planned way in players that would come to us because we're back in the Champions League again mm. I mean it's a weird one with, with Lukaku in particular in that he is capable of scoring goals that realistically not a lot of players can score you know you think back to the Southampton game where he got the last minute winner from outside of the box with that great low drive some of the goals he is capable of scoring and the positions that he gets into are excellent. But again, it's just the inconsistency. And, you know, you mentioned it's I don't even necessarily know if it's even a fitness thing. But, you know, Gary Neville was given him pelters for, you know, looking like he was <laughs> all out having run a 10K marathon uh, in the first half against Chelsea. And that's been a frequent issue. But one thing I do want to add about Lukaku is that he clearly, well, I say clearly, there were there was some a lot of discussion around his weight. But in terms of his effort for United... You know, he returned from the World Cup early to help out in a team that was struggling with injuries and had a lot of players playing in the latter stages of the World Cup last year. And I think that's always something to appreciate. And I do wonder how much that has actually contributed to his very jagged season. You know, he's one of a number of players who have been up front and have been, you know, taking a lot of the flack for not taking enough chances and not scoring enough. But, you know, you look at performances like the one against PSG, and if we got that more often then I don't think any of us would be complaining. It's just that that stuff doesn't really happen too often, really, does it? Right, who have you got for me? Okay, you can ha- you can have a quick one. Alexis Sanchez. Great, uh, he should leave. Yeah. In, in the grand pantheon of terrible Manchester United transfers, he has been one of the very, very worst. And I would say in terms of what he has actually been expected to provide, it has been worse than Bebe. At least Bebe scored. We had no expectations for that man whatsoever and he outdid himself fair play to him alexis sanchez is a massive sink on the wage bill it's been really sad to watch him degrade in front of us and just lose that mental edge that he held on to for so long i was hoping that with no cop america last summer it would really help him to have the time off to go back recharge refocus but it's just not worked. United need to cut Sanchez out for his own good and for the club's own good because this is a stupid amount of money being paid for a footballer who is nowhere near worthy of that level. Maybe not even a fifth of the level considering the performances that he's provided this season. I don't completely blame him for that. I think he's just shot and that's the simplest way to put it. Right, we have, I'm going to give you Rashford. Marcus Rashford, go for it. Ah, cheers. Marcus Rashford is incredibly frustrating to me because I think he's got an enormous amount of potential and an enormous amount of talent. And I think we saw some quite significant glimpses of it during that sort of three-month spell when we, we were really firing under under Ollie. There's been constant talk of interest from... Well, there, there was mentioned interest from City in the last couple of days and, and there's been a long, sort of long-term idea of, 
of interest from Barcelona as well. And I know that Andy Mitten wrote about this a while ago, and he said that that, that, that had come direct from Barcelona, and that he'd actually he'd actually sat down with one of their decision makers, and they he specifically told them told him that they wanted Rashford, and and, and told him why they wanted Rashford. And, and a lot of people laugh at that, and, and I think they perhaps underestimate his talent. The problem for Rashford at the moment is partially that his decision making is extremely erratic and he's really been struggling in the last sort of two or three months in a team that isn't scoring as a centre forward who isn't scoring as well but also I think he's one who has been as affected by the general malaise and lack of direction at United as anyone um, I think you could see under, under Mourinho that, that he'd go Rashford would go away with England and look a completely different player to what he looked at United and then he's gone back into that that withdrawn state where I, I don't think he's confident in himself I don't think he's comfortable in himself and and and, 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 he, and he's not not playing at anything like the level he can do you know as sad as it, I guess it's a, another sign of the state to play at United that the Rashford's not signing a new contract and that his contract enters its final year next year albeit with a with an option for United to extend by a year again but he's not committing himself mm. to a new contract that would significantly increase his wages because he doesn't see necessarily where the club's going. Well, no one does. Well, nobody does. And... It's a lot to prove this summer, and a lot yeah. of that is going to fall on Solskjaer and Thielen and Woodward to make sure that the current players have got a clear vision and idea of where the club goes next. Yeah, yeah, but um, what, what is that a state of affairs, really? You can, you, can, you can make an excuse for, you can make a case for foreign players who joined United from elsewhere being mercenaries again going back into this this black and white world where everyone's either the devil or the god but the reality is that they're often shades of grey and if, if if I was a young player at United now I'd be thinking well nobody improves here nobody improves here we, players join players come through the academy and they just stop improving and they do and and and, and it's it's sad because you know, Rashford is is the embodiment of that at the moment, and the guy is looking elsewhere for the sake of his own career from the biggest club in the country, who he supports. And again, even worse, if I were Mason Greenwood, who I think is even more talented than than Rashford, I'd be thinking, yeah, it's great. I'm going to get some games next year, and that'll that'll suffice for a year or eighteen months, perhaps. But after that, if United aren't going anywhere, he'll be doing the same thing. But there's a player in there in Rashford. If if he's handled right, if the club changes, if if the club starts to make the best of its players we've seen what, what we can get from Rashford in in that three months and there's a real player in there and we just have to hope that he goes away in the summer and everything reboots and that he gets fit because there's a suspicion he's been carrying an injury for a while and everybody mm. just gets recharged because one of the wider issues I think is that they all excelled for three months playing a much more high intensity system and then everybody's bodies just gave out because they hadn't been conditioned at the start of the season to play that tempo of football and so, you know, the, 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 particularly for Rashford, but for a lot of them, the, the, it must be a case of just crossing our fingers and hoping that a rest and then a full pre-season will see the, the Rashford we saw in sort of January, February time, than the Rashford we've got now, which just he looks inhibited and, and incredibly depressed with with his with his footballing lot. Well, aren't we all? We are. We are indeed. Who have you got for me then? We've got Mata, Martial, and Lingard left. Yeah. Um, Martial. Uh, Anthony Martial. Again, a player who looked absolutely excellent when we were firing goals in, but and it pains me to a certain extent to suggest that Jose Mourinho is right in any case of the word, 
because of the way in which his cult seems to come down on anyone who dares disagree with anything that he might have done during his career but perhaps Mourinho might have had a point when it comes to Martial's attitude because the reports that we seem to be seeing as a result at the end of the season seem to suggest that Solskjaer and Phelan are having a very similar sort of run through when it comes to trying to keep him motivated and trying to get him focused. Now, again, when it comes to Martial, you've got to take into account that this is a real human being who has a young child who has gone through a lot in his personal life over the last several years, so that's not necessarily things that have happened to him. He's had a large part in what has gone off the rails, but a player who clearly needs a different level of support and emotional awareness of what he's going through in order to get the best out of him, right? And there's clearly a very, very talented attacker, in some ways more talented than Rashford. And the reason that Rashford has had arguably just about the better season is because he tries harder. And because he is a bit more fearless, he does put a little bit more effort in there and he makes things happen on a level, level higher than Martial is. You know, we've had Martial at Old Trafford now for four years. And apart from that first season where the expectations weren't really there for him, apart from the big price tag, and he wowed us all and he was easily our best outfield player, he still hasn't had that one step up season where you could say, yeah, this is an absolutely top draw player and we can start leave we don't have to worry about him in the side now he can stay and hold that position I still don't realistically know if Martial is really going to quote unquote make it at United because ultimately half of it has got to be down to how much he actually wants it and that there is realistically there's a question mark over that really isn't there you know you can't look at him and say he is completely committed to making a complete success of himself at United because you just don't see it (laughs) you just don't and I know that there's a different level of temperament with him and he likes to play his cards close to his chest in terms of his emotions and that's fine I don't mind that but again a player who has really not helped himself in terms of the way that he's gone about things over the last several months is Martial he's struggled and it has not been fun to watch him. And considering how enjoyable he has been at times to watch in terms of terrorising defences, that is a concern going into this next season. Signed a massive new contract, he's not going anywhere, but one who will have a big question mark over him going into the next one. Right, Lingard. Lingard. Um, I can't be able to pussyfoot around Lingard anymore. <laughs> the guy's not good enough. I mean, we had that brief spell under Mourinho where for about two or three months he looked like, I don't know, God knows what he looked like, Pele. But... um. Aside from that, there's a guy who's unquestionably an intelligent player in a tactical sense, but he's an almost completely ineffective player in in any sense. Now, if you're talking about a guy who is either playing wide right or who is playing as a number 10, who doesn't score and doesn't create, can you realistically afford to carry that player in that team? And the answer is no, he, he doesn't do anything enough you know there's no point in Jesse Lingard being a one game out of ten player because that's no use to us it's absolutely no use to us whatsoever and I look at I look at him now and I just I do not see what he offers this squad I don't see what he offers the team when he plays he does nothing and we've got too many players who I look at and think they do nothing and the guy's 27 he's not he's not a kid anymore he wasn't even a kid when people were still saying he was a kid, and even some people do say he's still a kid. He's not, but I, I, I just don't. I don't know what to say about him anymore. I, he's just a player without a purpose. I think if we sold him, he'd probably go to a mid-level Premier League club who he might be all right for. But I don't even see what what purpose he has as a squad player now, other than just simply to be a person who's who is in the in a team when 
another player isn't. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a homegrown player, and I think he's lasted a lot longer than he would have done otherwise if he wasn't. And and we want the our, our homegrown players to work out, but he's lost. He's I don't see what he brings to us at all anymore. And yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want him to be eviscerated by the sun or um or drowned in chucked into the sea. No, or, or, or drowned in the sea. I just I just want him to go to another club and be ineffective there. Please. <laughs> right. So, by the process of elimination, the last player of the night falls to me, and it's one matter. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, that's not too bad. It's just, again, in the same sense of Lukaku, could you pick a player who is less suited to a high pressing, counter attacking style of football than Juan Mata? Mm. I mean, still had some great moments this season. He should be our free kick taker. No doubt about it. His two best goals this season have come from that great free kick against Newcastle that got us back in the game, if memory serves, and then a great goal in one of the highlights of the season, which was sort of scumming our way to a victory against Juventus. He's clearly our best free kick taker, and for that reason, then he should stay. No, no, I'm not serious. Um, when it comes to matter as a person, I do see the value in keeping him around because he is class personified as a footballer. In terms of his ability to help United going into this transitional phase, I still think there's some value in him because I don't think he is a player who is going to demand at this stage of his career to play every game. He seems happy to be an occasional starter in games where we expect to have a lot of possession. I do think his craft is quite useful for United because you don't have to push him so far up the pitch and creativity is something that, bar Pogba in the field, we often lack. So why not keep him in the mix? I mean, offers being made to him if reports are uh, to be believed and matters potentially mulling it over and whether or not he decides to stay or go. Again, you know, as far as I'm concerned with matter, I'd be happy if he stays for a year because on a personal level, while I've stopped reading his blogs because I don't really want to depress myself and see how depressed he is, um, I'd like to keep him around. And on a footballing level, I don't think it... I think it makes more sense to keep him than to get rid of him. I'm not saying that he should be a guaranteed starter because clearly he shouldn't be. I don't think he believes that at United anymore, but I think I would keep him around just on that basis, really. Yeah, I mean, I can see, I can take all those points. My only, my only concern is that, as you said, he's he's not a player who in any way fits with the model that Solskjaer's tried to bring in since he's been at United. And every time he's had to, every time he's tried to accommodate matter in the team, the only way he's been able to do it is by completely changing the formation. Do I look at one matter now at thirty-two and think there is a guy for whom we can afford to change our entire formation just to get him in the team, even if it's as in a squad role? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's black or white. I don't, I'm not saying great, you should go, or, but I, I just, I just think that there are pros and cons to either him staying or him leaving and I don't think either outcome would be the end of the world. Well I mean it's the same for a lot of our quality players though isn't it? There are reasons not to keep them and reasons to keep them when it comes to how football has gone and also Mm. their potential effect on the dressing room or their personality in the team again that's just all speculation but I mean I guess it's on a personal level it's whether or not you feel the pros outweighs the cons or vice Mm. versa and with matter I can understand otherwise. But Rich we've been going for almost two hours I think we pull the curtain down on the season and go and have a nice brew and just forget it ever happened and then we hit the reset button in several months time and we're back shiny happy people with like five or six signings under our belts how does that sound do you think that'll happen no no it might do you know you never know that this is part of the problem isn't it, it on saturday was it saturday or sunday with the last game of the season like sunday it was last sunday sunday, sunday. <clears throat> sunday i 
honestly couldn't have cared if United had folded in the night. That that Sunday night, <laughs> if I woke up in the morning and United had been liquidated, it wouldn't it wouldn't have bothered me. And then I've had a few days out of it, and you just start thinking, you know, what if, what if, what if this happens and this happens and this happens? What if? You just never know, do you? We're going to get to I don't know, probably do the first first pod perhaps in July, late July time, and we'll all be like, oh, I never know. I don't know. It could be could be much better, couldn't it? And then it'll all become apparent within three or four weeks that it's just going to be appalling. But for those for that that brief window, we'll, we'll really have hope. Maybe that's. Well, you mean late July, and we're doing our Europa League qualifiers. Yeah. Well, do you know potentially I, if Watford. No, do, do you know, the funniest thing is, the <laughs> yeah, funniest thing is, I really want us to do. Do I, I? I honestly, I want Watford to win the cup anyway. Obviously. Yeah. But I, frankly, we deserve to have to do that. We deserve. Yeah. And it, it, I, I can only feel positive things about Edward Ward's glorious tour, tour being disrupted by United having to play. FC Torshaven or somebody, <laughs> and, and also yeah. there's there's also there's also the fact that I want I, I want to see United face some absolutely appalling teams at the start of the season, win a few games, so that I can just kid myself that we might be reasonable when the actual proper season starts. I mean, some goals would be nice. We haven't scored yeah, very many yeah. of them in a while. Yeah, no, I agree, mate. I I wouldn't mind us doing yeah. that. Yeah, I mean. The final thought that I've been having uh, just to round off tonight and the season, you know, this might sound, this might be a little bit self-indulgent, but do me the honour of just listening for a second. I've been thinking about United a lot during the day, more so than usual, because of how badly the season's gone. You know, in terms of the bigger picture, the long-term view, the last, you know, the next several years, where we've been this season, you know, the lows and the couple of highs that we've had, and it doesn't fill me with a lot of positivity or any real sense that United are going anywhere fast and I don't think this summer is going to be any different to the one last year in the sense that there's going to be a lot of uncertainty around and it could be very very messy and it could be very difficult but I think what I'm trying to do a little bit more of and this is something that maybe any of you if you think this is a reasonable strategy or not could employ I don't have the copyright on it I've been trying to keep things in perspective a little bit more you look at where Liverpool currently are which is in a great place they took a long time to get where they are back-to-back Champions League finals and winning the league title and you think back to where we've been in this last decade up until 2013 we were on the back of 20 plus years of sustained success we're never going to have that again but I don't think it's going to take us 20-30 years to get back up to the top it's taken a lot longer than we'd liked and it's been needlessly complicated by the way the club's been run some of the transfers that we've made and various other bits and bobs but I think partially what I'm trying to do is appreciate where we've been without wanting to turn United into some sort of tribute act where we simply just look back on our past glories and you know the you know the Liverpoolization of the club is complete <laughs> but do you get where I'm coming from I'm trying to look I at it and it. just appreciate where we've been you know we, we've yeah. been watching United for a long time obviously you're a lot bigger long a bit longer than I have but by that same token, we've had some great times over the last sort of 20 plus years. And, you know, you've been watching United for a bit longer. So maybe like 40, 50, 60 years. Um, but do you get where I'm coming I from do. at least? I do. I hear you. Cool. All right. Well, if you don't want to say anything to that, we'll leave it there. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have gotten something positive out of this incredibly interesting and difficult slog of a season don't forget you can get us all over twitter because we will still be there all over the summer thinking about united day and night you can get rich at rich red voices 
me at at you and Lennox, the pod at at red voices MUFC, and you can listen to any episodes of the podcast that you might want to get your hands on including that very enjoyable post psg episode on stitcher on spotify on itunes basically anywhere that has podcasts have yourselves a superb summer we'll be back at some point after we've had some time to decompress and sit down in a dark room with a nice warm drink and think about our lives you guys take care of yourselves lots of love and goodbye Thank you.